Hello, welcome to the Alii Podcast. I'm executive producer Josh Raposa. Did you know that over 1 million books were published last year? Uh, in the business publishing world, thousands of new titles were introduced last year and every single year. The vast majority of them, though, uh, won't be in print beyond the first year or really uh, beyond the first six months or the first print run. So how do books that stand the test of time do it? Particularly business books, where everything is changing so fast that by the time you even think of an idea for the book and actually publish it, the, the whole market could change. Everything could go in a completely different direction. The lean world is no different. There's lots of books that come and go and really don't make a discernible difference in the community. I'm fortunate enough to work at a company that has had some luck um, in putting out books that have really shaped the lean community and, and have stood the test of time. Um, two books in particular are hitting major milestones, actually anniversaries uh, this year, that I thought were pretty interesting because they both had such impact. Uh, the first of the two books is Learning to See, which turns 20. Learning to See was um, put out by LAI, but it was written by uh, John Shook and Mike Rother. It's a book that brought value stream mapping to the world outside of Toyota, and it turns 20 this year. For those of you who have ever created a value stream map, I don't have to go into details uh, about how important they are. Um, you know, it's amazing how much value and, and waste, more particularly the waste, that just kind of stands out on a map when you really kind of put in the work with your team to really lay out beginning to end to delivery to your customer every little step of the way and every increment of time and cost and inventory. It really, really shows the waste that's there. For those of you who have never created a value stream map or have never heard of Learning to See, uh, stop listening to this podcast. Go out and get the book. It's a workbook. It's pretty easy to use. Just kind of go through it. It will fundamentally change how you view delivery to your delivery of value uh, to your customer. It, it will change everything. Another book that's hitting a major milestone is Managing to Learn, which was also written by John Shook. Managing to Learn is a unique book in format and delivery and, and the way it teaches and talks about problem solving, A3, asking questions. When I first started here at LAI, the, the concept of problem solving or creating a strategy on one sheet of paper uh, with a pencil uh, whenever possible. And, you know, I was used to writing 30-page reports, 40-page reports, building a PowerPoint deck, getting ready to pitch. And, and, and that all kind of went away, all of that wasted time that went into it. And what the A3 did was kind of teach me how to think about uh, problems, really kind of tackle problems in a way um, uh, in a way that's unique. And it gets rid of all of the clutter and the noise from the outside world about grasping the situation, uh, really kind of talking more about your problem than your solution. And that is r remarkably interesting to folks from the outside of Lean, I think. And that certainly I still find it fascinating uh, to this day here at LAI. The funny thing I've always thought about on A3s is they encourage you to draw. I mean, imagine that, like, you know, you're going to business school and you're working on everything and, you know, you get out into the outside world and say, hey, here's a pencil, draw the problem. Which I found interesting because when I was in art school, they said, if you really want to understand something, you draw it. And that's what A3 thinking is kind of about, at least to me. I, I'm fortunate enough to go out and uh, travel a little and see companies throughout the U.S. and um, actually around the world and really go and see. Um, I love to just go and see. I get, I'm fortunate enough to get invites uh, from, from people all over the world from, from my work on the summits and, and case studies and things like that. And whenever I go and travel, I always kind of see that blue book uh, staring, off, staring at me from a shelf or on a desk. 
Uh, sometimes I'll get a chance to kind of go grab it. These books are used. They are bent. They're, they're dog-eared. There's post-its sticking out all over the place, and it's managing to learn almost every single time. It has these post-its all over the place of people who you know reference uh, certain pages over and over and over again. So to me, that, that's, a, that's a good way of, of saying they like the book. They're using it. So enough about me waxing about uh, how much I love these two books. I have the author, uh, John Shook, here in the studio. And I also have the the publisher, uh, Jim Womack, who, well, actually, LEI was publisher, but Jim Womack is, was the head of LEI at the time. Now he's his senior coach here. So, Jim, John, what do you remember? I know it's been about 20 years uh, since the learning to see, and it's been 10 for managing to learn. But what do you remember uh, about creating this book? So what was – what really made you want to create this book or create this book or did you want to create this book? I remember uh, coming to uh, the first uh, headquarters building of LEI uh, a little over 20 years ago now, bringing my uh, friend uh, Mark, Mike Rother with me. Uh, you and Dan had never met Mike. Uh, you and Dan were there working. You had, uh, you had released uh, Lean Thinking a couple of years before. Yeah, or sometime year, before, a year before, a year before, and you yeah. had founded uh, LEI and had this right. crazy idea that you guys wanted to uh, you wanted a tool mm-hmm. that could use to map value streams. And we were working in an old dentist office in one of the exam rooms. That was a dentist office. It was a dentist office. It was a nice building. It was a very cheerful place. Yeah. Uh, so we're in a dentist office trying to figure out what to do, and uh, you and Mike showed up. Showed up. Uh, you, sir, uh, were completely unenthusiastic about this. I was totally unenthusiastic. I was skeptical. I thought it was a bad idea. That was a bad to, idea. To, to, to be you more thought clear. it was a bad idea. You thought it was a bad title, and you thought we were charging too much for it. Well, you so know that all came. Do not, later. Do not deny this. For first, first in the very beginning, I just thought it was a bad idea. So, so uh, you know, the idea of a value stream, uh, you know, that was okay. You, you and Dan had articulated what that is, and mm-hmm. you advocated mapping value streams. In the meantime. Uh, you know, I'd left Toyota a couple of years before and, and uh, at TSSC and at Toyota learned about this tool that they called material and information flow mapping. But I really didn't take it all that seriously. It was just another tool. It seemed like there were plenty of tools out in the world and that the lack of tools was not the reason that we weren't making more progress uh, in factories and not in, in, in operations uh, in, in manufacturing. So just adding one more tool to the pile didn't seem like it was going to help in any way at all. That's right. And then when you learned what the name was going to be, you said, well, this is really outrageous. Well, I really just started to walk from the project at that point. That was uh, Professor Jones's. uh, Dan Jones said, we're going to call it Learning to See. And I said, over my dead body. That's what you said. Not with my name on the cover. That's what you said. And then we had a wonderful meeting in which you and Mike and I were sitting there trying to figure out how to price this. (laughs) And you were adamant that since this thing was basically worthless, uh, it was outrageous that we would be charging a high price for it. I thought it was outrageous. And I still kind of do. Still kind of do. <laughs> and the, and do, the, you, uh, do you? Well, that's really interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. But but the product itself. Uh, so what actually convinced me, in fact, getting my head around the title, which which Dan suggested, mm-hmm. was what convinced me that it was a good idea. After all, the whole project was a good idea. That that. To the extent that it was just a specific tool for engineers to use, I, I just didn't think that that was going to make a big difference. I think I was wrong about that. But if the idea was that we're really enabling people to see things in a different way, and because that's what we really were talking about, that's what we wanted to introduce, was a different way of looking at operations. Mm-hmm. So learning to see, while it seemed over the top in the beginning, uh, that's exactly what the, the, the book needed to be. And if that's what it could accomplish, then I, then I was all for it. 
Eventually, you even decided that uh, it was okay. It was all right to charge for it. It was. <laughs> I decided it was all right to charge for yeah, it. Yeah. That's that's yeah. right. We might even want to cut out that whole part out. Which is the which is the head of this organization, this humble little LEI thing. I just thought was a wonderful uh, thing for you to discover. Well, I was, you I was so happy. Well, you didn't think it was going to sell much anyway. That's so, right. I so thought why it was a big money loser. So why not charge a lot and yeah. minimize our losses? Exactly. But that was wrong. Exactly. So you were wrong. I was wrong. And it, you know, um, Dan and Mike were kind of would, so Mike was just Mike was just just could not have been more enthusiastic about the whole idea of introducing material and information flow to the you know to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more he uh, got to know it and tried it and used it, he just thought it was great. And I remember uh, going to, to to the dentist office there, the LEI's uh, you know headquarters at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, taking you know you and uh, Dan through this, and Dan especially was just literally bouncing out of his chair that this is the greatest thing that he'd ever seen. Um, and so it made sense to call it value stream mapping. And uh, a number of people have, have questioned that over time, said, you know, what's, how does this relate to Toyota's material and information flow mapping? And people have gone to great uh, lengths to try to show that they're two different things. Uh, there's, they're one of the same thing. And we wanted to call it something different just to uh, kind of differentiate. It also connected it with all the mm-hmm. concepts and theories that you were talking about in, in, in lean thinking. Uh, and then it became something that really uh, took off. It, I think it actually, in the end, actually did help a lot of people, helped a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as you had predicted, uh, it would find its limit, which was that uh, just as a tool, without changing uh, your fundamental way of thinking, uh, the results or the sustainable results would be very limited. And uh, that was confirmed. Well, my concern was it would become a check-the-box exercise, and it would result in a lot of wallpaper where people draw maps and really nothing would be done. And there was a lot of that. A lot of that. But I think you can accept a certain amount of that, and I, and I, and I do. I think to some degree that's, that's, that's going to happen. I, I don't know if Deming actually said it. There are all these quotes that people like Deming and, and uh, Einstein supposedly said that I don't know, we don't know if they really said them. Mm-hmm. But uh, someone told me that Deming once said that all tools uh, will be misused, just uh, just mm-hmm. to get used to it, mm-hmm. accept that. And I think that that's that was in my mind at the time. So some degree of misuse I, I thought would be okay. Mm-hmm. But I was worried that it would just only be become mm-hmm. wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of cases it did, but in a lot of cases I think it both changed the way people thought think about operations. Mm-hmm. And it became a practical tool for people. Uh, the, the whole idea of taking something that's, that's, a, that's a three-dimensional uh, property, which is a factory, or an entire value stream, and representing that in two dimensions uh, on a piece of paper with the, uh, the material, the product flow ring across the, the, the bottom, uh, left to right, and then the information flow, and that means the control information, what tells you what to do next, uh, coming, di- you know, coming across the top, uh, right to left, it turns out it's really just helped a lot of people to design better operations. It turns out it's kind of a system design tool. You're able to design your system in a very simple way, and you're able to do that by engaging the people who do the actual work. So it turns out that's been a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Visualization is good. Visualization is good. It's better than the opposite. <laughs> Not being and able most to see people, it all. Most people didn't know how to see. So it all worked out. So we're coming up on the, the, the 10th anniversary of, of, of uh, another LEI book that I was involved in called uh, Managing to Learn. Yes, you even wrote it. And I, even, I was involved in it. I uh, even wrote it. And once again, it was actually your idea, not mine. And once again, I thought it was a bad idea. Yeah, same old story. Same old story. But you said, uh, why don't you do a book about the A3? And I said, no. And then I think you called up again and said, why don't you do a book about the A3? 
Um, and we went back and forth that way for a while. And, and, and it, the thing is, I didn't want to do a book. First of all, I didn't want to have the same danger that, it, that, that was present with learning to see, which is value stream mapping wallpaper, which we've seen happen in so, so many ways, so many times. I didn't want to see that happen. Uh, but also, I knew that the way I had learned the A3 process inside Toyota was a very dynamic thing. I just didn't have, confi- have confidence of being able to write that into a book. So that required a little bit of work. And um, we uh, went through some work to try to figure out what might, you know, what, what might be a workable solution. And uh, my first idea, which you rejected, was to do two books. And imagine two little companion volumes. It would be in a little box, one of those. And you tell the same story from two perspectives, one from the perspective of a learner uh, who is learning how to solve problems and make proposals and, and, and uh, how to manage an organization. Another by the, uh, the senior manager who was uh, both directing this individual and also coaching him or her. So what if we wrote the, a book telling the same story from two perspectives um, in two different books? And you said that's just uh, an interesting idea, but it should stay in the realm of interesting and we should never try to do that. Not even a minimal viable prototype. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. So I said, what about then if we did a book that um, had two running columns, and it had this... Uh, so again, we're going to tell the, the same story from two different perspectives. So there'll be the perspective of the learner in one column and the perspective of the, uh, the coach mentor in the other column. And there you said, well, maybe. And you said, let's see what it looks like. So we made a prototype. Made a prototype. We made something of a minimum viable product. This was before Eric Reese, Eric mm-hmm. Reese had introduced that to terminology. Um, but that's exactly uh, what it was. We made a chapter because um, we weren't sure if anyone would be able to read a book like that. There had never been a book like that. In fact, we've still never found another book that's constructed quite in that way. Yeah. Total hope. No, no evidence. Uh, nobody had been doing this sort of thing. It seemed really sort of ridiculous. But the whole idea was this loopy thing that went back and forth between the boss who really just had questions, not answers. And the student who started off uh, with the answer uh, but never figured out what the question was. And so it's a dynamic. How else could you do it? How else could you do it? Except have it as a conversation. Now, the idea of having the student on the right side of the page and the boss on the left side of the page, which uh, some readers have said causes you to go cross-eyed, well, maybe that's not the best way, but it was the best way we could figure out. It's a way. And so with the minimum viable product, with the prototype, we found that you break it up more in little smaller chunks and, and have different headings and all that. And it, and it turned out that not that many readers have really complained about, the, complained about it, but it's a very unusual way to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's the only way I could figure out how to show the fact that it's not just a simple problem-solving tool. It's really a different management process. Mm-hmm. You're creating a different management environment through doing this, through this iteration, through this mm-hmm. dynamic process. Um, so I can't imagine really another way of doing it. Even if you'd done a traditional uh, book where it was more linear, you tell one person's story and they just go back in time and tell the other person's, uh, it wouldn't capture the same sort of flavor for what, act- for what actually occurs. Because really the A3 itself, it's almost a Trojan horse, really. It's something that you use, but you use to introduce something that's a lot more. It's what's behind the piece of paper, not the people piece of paper itself. So we were trying from the get-go to introduce the antidote to the tool, which is just the format, the A3 format. Exactly. Whereas with learning to see, 
we had uh, gotten people focused on how to draw a map. And that had a management context, which, to be fair, was never really in learning to see. No, it, it was wasn't. not intended to do that. So here we said, uh-oh, we know what happens. If we put out an LEI A3 book, it will be another tool. Exactly. And we can predict with absolute confidence that it will be pretty useless. So instead, why don't we start, instead of showing you the A3, uh, we start with this dialogue between these two characters. Uh, where they've got an issue. Is it really a problem? What is the problem? Aha, well, what's the root cause? Well, what are the logical countermeasures? Well, what experiments will we need to run with a countermeasure to see if that's true and so forth? So the importance of the book actually is not the visual part um, in the sense that the A3 is there, but it's not really important. It's the thought process and the learning loops between these two characters. So this was the exact opposite of what we had done with learning to see. And there never was a uh, the sort of um, uh, dialogue version of learning to see. We right. never did that. Right, right. Maybe, maybe we should think about that. Uh, we could think about that. Because uh, even with uh, MTL, uh, Managing to Learn, and with the A3 not being totally front and center, um, a lot of people walk away from the book still with that still, misconception, yeah, yeah. that they see the A3, they think it's an A3 book. And, and that was one intention of not right. titling it A3. Right. Uh, it's in the subtitle, uh, but it's not, it's not the title. The idea is you're trying to manage in a way so that the individuals around you, the people that work for you, the organization can learn. Uh, and then here's a technique that you can use. And the technique of, of having the dialogue that you just went through is not dependent on the piece of paper. You can have that anytime, anywhere. It can be very quick, walking down a hallway, or it can be what you're using to, you know, to do your annual planning. Um, but one way of structuring it, because it is good to have a job aid anytime, so you have this piece of paper that you can walk around. It's just a way for people to have a conversation that can involve more people and that it captures it in a dynamic way as the conversation proceeds. But a lot of people still walk away and think it's just an A3 book. That's it's right. just a tool book, but it's actually a management book. And in both books, we tell you, uh, go to the Gimba, do this yourself, and use a pencil. Yes, both books that, that, boy, that have that, that in common. Yes. That is hard. That is hard. Wait a minute, use a pencil? What is a pencil? An eraser? I haven't seen one of those in years. Whoa, this is so bizarre. And so it's, there's a hurdle to get over there. I'm just thinking that uh, we have granted you, or you as the author, have granted license to actually go find a pencil, make sure it has an eraser, take a piece of paper, and go not just walking but talking. Because the whole point of A3 is it's a conversation. Well, it's something that both of those have in common, which is there's kind of the iceberg. You know, it's kind of like an iceberg. There's what you can see on top, which is the tool, the form itself. And then there's what's underneath that you can't see right away. And really, that's true of all the lean tools, which are uh, sometimes kind of denigrated nowadays. Uh, because the problem isn't the tools so much as the t how the tools are used. They're supposed to embody something that's much deeper underneath, which is a way of thinking. It's a way of people working together. Uh, in dialogue to solve problems, to identify where they want to go, and then break down all the barriers between them and, and, and where, their, where their destination is. So learning to see, the value stream mapping does it in one way, uh, managing to learn, and the A3 does it in another. Uh, and there are others as well. Underneath it all, there's this kind of Deming's old PDCA. Uh, but how you can do PDCA as a team, learning together, is the challenge. And so having uh, techniques like this, techniques and tools, uh, can be helpful. Problem is when the tools kind of get taken out of context and they're not used with this deeper underlying understanding. And there's a need 
with these tools actually to do some group reading. Uh, everybody would be better off with either of those books to uh, take it on as a group exercise rather than just do it themselves. Years and years and years ago, it's been 40 years ago now, I was amazed, went to Japan, and people did something called simultaneous reading. And they did a reading group in which managers would sit around and everybody had a copy. You'd have an English and a Japanese, and these Japanese guys are trying to figure out what does this mean. And I thought, well, this is a wonderful, eccentric, uh, sort of bizarre thing in this strange country. But as I've gotten older and had some experience, I think actually uh, to have a dialogue that's all the people touching this issue in which they actually try to work it through together, which is the exact antithesis of the hero descends, uh, the person with the answer to begin with. And now the purpose of the exercise is to prove that was the correct answer. And it's just exactly backwards. So it's, uh, it's interesting. It is interesting. And book clubs are making kind of a comeback. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you, know, you might not know, but actually some of the younger folks here at LEI are is that right? book clubs. Are well, I'm older, John. I'm older, so I wouldn't you know. know. Well, you could join those. And, uh, it sounds like this is going on without my knowing. It it, might, uh, that might be a good thing. It might be a good thing, but I think it's happening more uh, all over. Yeah. yeah. Our friend Michael Barley's books, in fact, lend themselves quite well yeah. to uh, something like a book club yeah. where you can read some and then talk about what it, what it really means, mm-hmm. what's, what's behind this, and what might it mean to me. Is there a topic that you'd like to see Jim or John explore? Perhaps someone else at LEI? Maybe just give us some feedback. You can send your feedback to pod, P-O-D, at lean.org. Once again, that's pod, P-O-D, at lean.org. We'll be taking your questions, your suggestions, and your feedback and making this podcast better each time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.